This is Reasonable Doubt with your hosts, Mark Garagas and Gary Smith. Wow, it's the big show. Big show. In fact, Gary, behind you, what is that? Big what does it say there? Uh, I've never said, but it's big something. So big is what my father used to call me. That is a mural that was made for my for me by my friends and family for my birthday, and it has all my nicknames on it. So big is one of them. Okay. Did you know that my son Jake is big? That's his nickname. I did it has not, been for 30, 30 years, right? I'm not you surprised. I'm big Al. Yeah, she's Big Al. And by the way, welcome Alex Kazarian, friend of the show, my my law partner and um, frequent, uh, I guess, the spirit animal for Kim Kardashian. Uh, you know, <laughs> armo female who uh, does criminal defense, right? So, you know, I had Al on because I, I'm trying to remember what case, but since whatever case it was that I, and by the way, first Gary, I wanted to say one thing. I meant to say this before. I'm going to just come. So some of the, I do read the comments um, on YouTube. Some of these comments are stupid, but some (laughs) of them, some of them are pretty savage about you. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the matter with Gary? Did he get dropped on his head? Is he, well, I want some of the weed he's smoking. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. You got some fans out there, Gary. I really do. You know, uh, it's look, I I've read them. They make me laugh. Sometimes they hurt, but they're never wrong. You know, I mean, sometimes they're just outright stupid, but you know, the ones that you're referring to as savage, I, I kind of tend to agree with. I see where they're coming from. If nothing else. Well, it should be original dropped on your head is not an original comment. If you're watching MG. Yeah. I I have overused and abused dropped on your head. In fact, my son big will tell you uh, how you did drop me on my head, dad. So yes, if you, if you asked, you're probably the guy who did it. The, uh, the, the, you know, there were so many things I wanted to talk about the, the Trump, um, uh, cases and uh, other uh, that start up this coming week in New York, where I am, I believe on Tuesday, right? With uh, E. Jean Carroll, the uh, rape case, and uh, Trump has now uh, Joe Tacopina, his lawyer, Taco Joe. And I only say that, Joe, because Jake's got dirty taco, but he has written a letter to the court asking that Trump. Uh, not be excused if they want to call him as a witness. They're happy to produce him, but uh, they think that it would be a burden on the taxpayers of New York City to have him there each day. I can understand his uh, argument because he does cripple the city when he comes in uh, for Secret Service and all the uh, NYPD uh, responses and things of that nature. And then also I wanted to talk about the Jim Jordan Subpoena on Alvin Bragg and the Manhattan DA's office, um, where they wanted to get uh, Pomerantz. For those of you who aren't in the weeds, the there famously was a gentleman by the name I believe it's Mark Pomerantz, yes, uh, who was hired by Alvin Bragg and brought into the Manhattan DA's office in order to kind of lead up the investigation into Donald Trump. And then notably, he quit or resigned publicly, wrote a book about his experience and dissatisfaction, for lack of a better term. Now the uh, Congress and now the House 
because obviously the Republicans are in charge, want to do a weaponization of government committee, uh, want to do a, a subpoena on Bragg's office. Their point or their hook was that $50,000 of federal funding was used for this investigation. So therefore, there is a federal uh, interest in it. Congress has an interest in oversight over funds that are dispersed. The I, I forget the lawyer, but somebody representing Bragg's office filed a motion to quash. The federal judge at the district court level wrote a 25-page blistering opinion, basically saying, quashing the subpoena, saying that, that it was clearly uh, grandstanding and showboating, basically, by the um, uh, by the the uh, opinion or the uh, brief that was written um, in support of Bragg's office, and that the fact and quoting extensively from Pomerantz's book. And the reason I thought it would be interesting is the Second Circuit, which is the Circuit Court of Federal Circuit Court of Appeal, just stayed that ruling. Uh, as we spoke and ordered within two days for them to brief it. I give all of that as a preamble. I was going to talk about all that with Alexandra. And then guess what happened, Alex? You tell me. The Supreme Court put a stay on the abortion pill limitations. And it's it's insane because Thomas and Alito are the only ones that dissented, which means that three Trump appointees are protecting abortion rights and abortion access. Yeah, so for those who aren't on the weeds, by the way, I read the comments when you say, don't just jump into the cases, so I'm not going to just jump in. But there is a medication, which I'm not going to butcher the pronunciation, which is used uh, for medically or pharmacologically induced abortions, which was at the district court level, there was a, I believe, a nationwide stay um, basically overturning, I believe, FDA approval, which was 21 years old. Fifth Circuit did kind of a maneuver. I won't get into the minutiae because I want to talk about the U.S. Supreme Court. But the Fifth Circuit kind of, kind of neutered it, but endorsed part of it. It went up to the U.S. Supreme Court. If I believe, Alex, it was Alito who pressed pause on the Fifth Circuit, was it not? Or Gary, do you know? Yes, I believe it was. And I think it was, and that's why his his dissent is, with all due respect, in this case, I think so bitchy. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you walk us through it? Because it, it, talk about breaking news. It's been released within the last couple of hours. Right. So they don't they don't file a full opinion. There's not a full opinion on it. It's just a little blurb about the fact that they have stayed the lower court's ruling. But Alito, and I'm going to pull it up right here, he starts his dissent talking about, you know, in the past, there's been three different times when we've been criticized for granting these stays. And I've never agreed in the past, but this time I do. And the way he talks about it is we were criticized and he's he's just quoting and basically he's doing air quotes about a million times because he's he's just so upset about everybody else agreeing to do this. So he says, you know, previously we were criticized for barely bothering to explain our conclusion um, that we were um, we base our our stay on a scanty regr- uh, review 
and he just keeps he keeps air quoting he brings up the shadow doc brings up the shadow docket as well and you know it's the the air quotes i got to agree with alex i we were reading this before we started recording and he's just letting them fly left and right like he's you know a teenage girl retelling a story with the most animation they can come up with it's it's kind of funny he really i get the feeling he's like a cheerleader that was benched for the big game like I bet, yeah, Alex, you'll appreciate this sharing of the Armenian heritage. And given the fact that we're uh, two days out, three days out of our uh, April 24th, uh, I met him at a, in DC at a, um, the 100th commemoration of the Armenian genocide. He attended in DC and was a, I, I thought a very charming, uh, he's obviously highly intelligent guy, uh, but he, the, the interesting thing, like Thomas, it's been my experience. I think Justice Thomas, a lot of his positions and a lot of the things, stances that he takes, he to psychoanalyze, but it certainly appears that his confirmation hearings informed a lot of his uh, uh, kind of approach to things. And boy, this today, this dissent, I'll agree with you too. It's as if the blowback from Dobbs has, it's like he's venting. It's almost, it's almost, for him, it's almost, I suppose it's cathartic, but it appears to me at least to be the blowback and his kind of, uh, uh vomiting out of all of his grievances, uh, post Dobbs and everybody who's criticized him post Dobbs. Would you, you, you think that's, that holds true? Yeah, I do because he he is. I mean, if if everything he said doesn't go the way that he said it was going to go, he's going to end up looking really dumb. And I, I think that's really what it it comes down to is that he feels like he looks stupid and he's he's having a temper tantrum. But I <laughs> I, I think that he. You know, people in positions of power like that aren't used to having people really honestly challenge them and really, you know, criticize them like that. You know, you don't go in front of the Supreme Court and argue in in a rude manner. You tell them that they are the ones that have all the knowledge and the power. And I'm just, you know, illuminating this for the court. I don't have to tell so, you. Mark. What's the legal nomenclature for telling a judge to fuck off? It, with all due respect. Very good. Say so she knows. <laughs> Yeah. And so that's as, as, as rough as it usually gets. And this is the entire nation. And, you know, without, I think without Trump and without abortion, nobody really cares about what's going on in the Supreme Court. I mean, there's so much boring law that happens. And I mean, for us, we get excited about it, but really people that are watching just the regular five o'clock news aren't getting deep down into it. So Twitter doesn't go crazy when there's a contracts law, you know, monumental change. So when they do get criticized like this, I do think they get butthurt. You know, there's also people, you know, we still haven't figured out who leaked or at least presumably figured out who leaked the Dobbs opinion. There was much scrutiny about that. Thomas has been undergoing a uh, financial colonoscopy about his uh, 
relationship with the right-wing billionaire, uh, which I've gotten such a kick out of because he has gone out of his way to cultivate, Justice Thomas, for those who don't know, has gone out of his way to cultivate a image of this man of the people. I take my vacations in an RV with my wife, Ginny. We park in Walmart parking lots and, you know, it's really salt to the earth. And then little do you know that while that's happening, the guy's taking the vacations that uh, if I ever took a vacation, I would love to take. So it's uh, it's quite something when they're when you peek behind the veil, isn't it? Yeah, it is. When when they turn out, well, I don't know if they're trying to be regular people or they turn out to be regular people, but then they're not really. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. A, it's a fascinating thing. The other uh, case uh, or actually thing I wanted to talk about um, with you, or you know, I'll I'll ask you, Alex. Uh, out of all of these that I've mentioned, is there something that piques your interest today? Um. Well, no. One of the things that we haven't talked about is is the Fox News debacle. But um, well, well, that's interesting you bring that up because I've seen a lot of reporting on this. And for those who don't know. Uh, Fox News was sued by Dominion. Dominion owns the voting systems along with Smartmatic that are used predominantly in most of the presidential elections or in quite a few. They then sued for defamation based upon the big lie. And the big lie was that the uh, voting machines software could be manipulated and that manipulation stole the election the 2020 election and there's been much to do about that while and fox hired dan webb uh, as their lead lawyer from winston and strong fun fact dan webb uh, along with our partner alex um our partner Tina, when she was kind of second chairing or third chairing Ju- Juicy Smollett, guess who the special prosecutor was who prosecuted Juicy? Um, none other than Dan Webb. And so Fox News hired Dan Webb fresh off the Juicy Smollett uh, prosecution to represent them against Dominion. And Tom Clare, who uh, I met uh, he was one of the legal team, along with a very fine firm, Sussman Godfrey, who defended, uh, well, uh, I wouldn't say defended, basically prosecuted the case they, and settled for $787 million, I believe, and change, which is roughly, Gary, the first thing that occurred to me when I heard the number is this must be the number du jour because that's roughly the same number that St. Louis got out of the Stan Kroenke for the Rams moving to Los Angeles uh, the, uh, that he tried to get the NFL to pay. Another fun fact on this litigation is – and I've, uh, you know, I will disagree with our yet our other partner Ben, who has a damages theory here that he's explained and has convinced um, Paulette, amongst others. The uh, I, if I was defending Fox, I would, I the first thing I would do is point out that it's been reported in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen that a private equity or hedge fund bought Dominion, or they bought Control. Do you know how much they paid for Control four years ago, five years ago for Dominion? The year before the election? $38.9 million. So you tell me how the controlling interest of a company 
could have been damaged to the tune of $787 million on an investment that was, but more power to them. I mean, who who doesn't want to take that $38.9 million and turn it into seven eighty seven? And God only knows, I don't know if the lawyers are on contingency or an hourly or whether there was litigation funding, but uh, that's quite a, uh, that's quite a result that was engineered by Dominion's lawyers. They ought to be, uh, they deserve kudos for the amount of money that apparently Fox paid, if you believe this, just to keep uh, Rupert Murdoch and potentially their anchors off the stand. And I am seeing that that 38 was a, was with a valuation of 80, but still that's, you know, we're talking 10% of what the ultimate judgment was. Yeah. If the, and the valuation of the enterprise was 80, 38.9 for control, that would have been, I mean, you know, there is a world in which you just say, and especially in this case, because the judge did something interesting. He found that there was defamation. Basically, the question was going to be damages. Well, how is it damaged? Okay, you torched the company. If the company was 80 the year before the election, give it an enterprise value. Say that it doubled in value because uh, for whatever reason. Uh, if it doubled in value, that's 160 for the entire company. What damage model would get you to 787 with all due respect to those who have made the argument i i uh, it seems like fox uh, really got hosed on this one mark something that people have been asking me is why fox didn't demand a um a confidentiality um agreement with the settlement especially because now anybody that's been defamed by fox can use this litigation as a blueprint well, and guess who's going to? Smartmatic. Smartmatic is there are still trials. They're they're moving along. You can make an argument that there is issue preclusion on various things. It wouldn't be race judicata because it's not the same parties, I don't think. But I, I would think that there would be issue preclusion type things where you would say, okay, this was already decided. A judge said this was defamation. Or you could at least import that for its persuasiveness in the argument of that similar statements also were there. It doesn't solve the problem. And I don't, other than the fact that this judge was on a mission and that, by the way, that's how you get a case settled. One of the reasons that Alex, you will know this better than anybody, why COVID was such a nightmare for people on the plaintiff's side of the equation is the court shut down. You couldn't get to trial. Insurance companies and corporations just say, go pound the sand. We're not going to pay you. We'll just wait it out. We get to, yeah. we get the money on our money. Right. And and even in criminal defense, it happened like that. We couldn't force things to trial and make the prosecutors prove their case because everything was on hold. But I think I, I feel like, well, I, I wonder how that it, this is going to affect Fox News, if at all, during the next election cycle, because we're here in L.A., and they hate, well, they're going to love to cover our DA race that's coming up because they love to hate on our DA. And so I really do wonder if they're going to. George Gaston. Yes. Yep. And, they, uh, and I mean, they've, they've come out and blatantly lied about him. I mean, I do, I do TikTok videos and some of my best performing TikTok videos are ones where people go, wait, I thought George Gaston was letting all the you know, murderers out of prison. And I go, no, that's actually a legislative issue. George has nothing to do with it. The, the Senate passed some bills and people have no idea, but they love 
to to talk about how he's just the the death of civility and the death of law and order in Los Angeles. So I wonder if that's going to change at all. I doubt it. I don't know. I I I would think. You know, one of the things uh, about doing this kind of law is that you do make changes. People do, you know, uh, nobody wants to go through it again, so to speak. And so is there a world in which you are affecting change? You would think so. And um, that's one of the reasons we do a lot of what we do and do a lot of the pro bono that we do. Yeah, that's true. And the Smartmatic anyway. thing is still out there at over two billion, right? And they, I believe, they came out in the minutes following the announcement of the Fox, uh, the Fox settlement, and basically said, you know, Dominion started it, and we plan to finish it. So they're at least on a public face, they're they're saying it's full steam ahead, and that they're probably going for even more. Well, I <laughs> just based on litigation, mass torts, things that the my and my experience. That's the bar has kind of been set. Seven eighty-seven is the bar, so I I can only imagine that the Smartmatic client is saying to their lawyers, speculation. I don't know, but well, I know I'm not going to take five hundred. They got they got seven eighty-seven. We now have a record. What are you talking about? I'm not taking five hundred. So does that mean a billion? Does that mean eight fifty? And I would assume that Dan Webb's firm is thinking the same thing. They're telling, or they should have told their client, uh, look, the bar has been said, you, you know, you, I'm going to warn you that you're going to, somebody's going to be back here to dip their beak and you got to be ready to write another check coming up. But how many times can that happen before? I mean, if they really are, if, if Fox is really trying to protect Rupert Murdoch from going on the stand. How many times, or or do you think they'll really let that happen and let that litigation get that far before they just go the way of Girardi and say, he's not mentally competent. He's not fit. We're going to put him in a home. He can't testify. Sorry, your case is done. Um, good luck. Non-compass menace, as my father used to say. But, um, you know, God forbid that there's a succession ending um, or uh, one of those. But uh, I, I, all of these things must get talked about, have to get talked about, and probably went into their thinking. And I think on Sunday we'll continue the discussion, you two. I look forward to it. Thank you guys for making some time for us on a Friday afternoon. Uh, Alex, stay cool. Mark, enjoy the brisk New York weather. And we'll look forward to talking to you both on Sunday. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Reasonable Doubt. Subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash reasonable doubt podcast.